Coming to you from the lab where they talk about guns, gear, training, and everything in between. Here are your hosts, Mike and Big Key, and this is The Gun Experiment. How's it going, everybody, and welcome to The Gun Experiment. This week, Keith and I talk to a gun-toting digital creator and review a new IFAC and Davesky barrels. I want to remind everyone that we release new content every Tuesday morning, so be sure to subscribe and share the show with friends. This episode is brought to you by Target Sports USA. Be sure to check out their ammo membership, which gets you 8% off, free shipping on all ammo orders, and a whole lot more, all for $95 a year. If you'd like to sign up or purchase ammo, please go to targetsportsusa.com forward slash the gun experiment. And as always, I cannot start the show without the big man across the table. My co-host, Big Keith, is in the house. Keith, how are we doing? Doing good, buddy. Enjoying this cold weather. Yeah, you like cold weather. I do. It's like my, it, it helps me maintain an optimal running temperature. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I don't. I don't like that. I am too small, too skinny. That might, yeah, I guess that's that's probably part of it. Yeah. I, I will say, uh, you know. Those green polar bears are bigger. <laughs> the older I get, the colder it does yeah. you know, start to feel. Yeah, my father always said that. He was a yeah. roofer. Yeah. Uh, early on as a young so man probably never bothered never he, bothered he'd probably him. still be in shorts in this place. yeah and then uh i've noticed you know then you, you know even when he got out of roofing we'd go hunting and stuff and he never it never affected him and then later on he started saying it bothered him. you know you're talking about your dad and, and him probably wearing shorts I, it made me start thinking about what is with the ups and fedex guys having like like pools of who keeps the shorts on the longest is that a thing? It's a thing. Like really? I, I've I've talked to many UPS guys and many FedEx women and guys that do this. Maybe thing. they were always the weird kid in school that wore shorts all year long. You know what I'm talking about? There's yeah, always yeah, that yeah, one yeah. kid yeah. that it was a kind of a badge of honor. Maybe <laughs> they're all the badge of honor kids. <laughs> There's a trophy that gets passed around. <clears throat> Maybe I don't know. Uh, so what's new with you? Anything? Uh, uh, too much. I don't even know where to begin. Like I said, when we first caught up tonight, and we were just kind of you know catching up off the air. I feel like I have a million things to tell you, but I can't remember. I any can't of remember any of them at the moment. Yeah. Uh, whatever. Anyway, yeah. so uh, something I wanted to ask our listeners, uh, if they would, is to go onto Instagram, follow us, and I really, really am looking specifically for feedback on this show. So once you follow us on Instagram, DM me. I would love. This is not. I'm not looking for reviews. You answer every DM. I do. I know you do. Yeah. You show me. I I am looking for feedback. I'm looking for ideas. I, I'm not looking for, normally I would ask for a five-star review on Apple. I don't want that. You, you give uh, um, opinions even, yep. you know. I, I wanna, Some of them are good. Some of them are good. Yeah, no, I, I, <laughs> I really want to know just what our listeners think. So I know like you're in your car, you're listening, whatever, you get to work and you forget. But if you got a second... If you're not following us, follow us. If you are or whatever, um, give us give us your opinion. Yeah, give us a shout out. And just say what's going on. <clears throat> All right, so I want to get into this interview. Uh, okay, but before it. we do that, tonight's interview is brought to you by Flatline Fiber Co. Flatline creates quality sewn goods for the firearms community. Whether you're looking for a new sling or maybe some ear pro wraps to make range sessions more comfortable, they've got you covered. All products are made by hand in the USA, including free shipping and have a lifetime warranty. Use the discount code GUNEXPERIMENT10 at checkout to get 10% off. And thank you for supporting the companies that support the show. Today's guest co-founded the Average Joe's Range Day as a way to make firearms training more accessible and to bridge the gap between the average gun owner and the prepared citizen. He also happens to host a fantastic YouTube channel called Jim's Goon Life. Please welcome Jimmy Rodriguez to the show. Jimmy, how's it going? It's going great, guys. It's fantastic. Good. Um, so I have actually, uh, seen your YouTube channel for a while now, and there's something about it that I, I genuinely like the style you do is, is really good, but we came across you with, I believe it was the 1911 syndicate is where we kind of, they were like, Oh, we know, uh, we know Jimmy. And I was like, Oh, I'm like, that guy's stuff is great. And they were like, Oh, you should have him on. And I was like, cool. Here we are. Yeah. And then I realized that you, uh, recently did some stuff with Bruiser Industries. And we yeah. had him on the show right before you. He was our, yeah. our last guest. So uh, it was weird how that all kind of worked out. So but fast and came Yeah. Out. Yeah. Yeah. But you, uh, you, you run in good circles. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, no, that, I mean, that's, uh, I am blessed 
um, beyond belief. Joe's Joe is great people, and, and the 1911 Syndicate guys are amazing. Um, Chris, especially, I talk to him uh, most often. Him and I often run into each other at events, and uh, they're just they're just great dudes. Um, but yeah, no. Uh, so Joe, I'm I'm interested to hear Joe's Joe's episode now because now now I'm a little upset with Joe because now <laughs> I didn't know he was on y'all's podcast. Normally he gives us a heads up of well, what he's on. Here's what you and could so, do. Here's what you could do. His will come out, and then a couple weeks later, yours will come out. You would listen to them both, and then you could see how how much better or worse you did than, than him. You can you can then you know kind of talk some shit to him. Yeah. Oh yeah. Of course. I got to. I've got to. <laughs> so anyway, uh, speaking of your uh, content creation, one look at your Instagram or your YouTube, and it's extremely obvious that you have a genuine love for both guns and photography and i guess we could throw cinematography in there as well uh take us back to how all this started how did you get involved in in all of it so was it guns and then photography or the other way around where did this journey start for you so um so i've always been artistic i tell people that i've always been artistic i was really into um comic books as a kid because of my older brother and i would you know draw a lot uh, when i was younger but then i got into sports and all that kind of died off and um, I think, I think drawing or painting is much like shooting, that it is a perishable skill. So as I got older and I got more involved with sports and girls, I cared less about painting and drawing. Um, but then as I got a little bit older outside of college, uh, I actually became a pastor. And as a part of that, uh, some of the creative stuff started coming back and photography was a part of that photography and videography. And, um, eventually I stepped down from being a pastor and started working for a gun company owned by three Russians. And they hired me into marketing and that spark for creativity came back. So I started taking photos for them and it was just a matter of like, I I had always been passionate about, um, I don't want to say just like really Gucci stuff, but just cool stuff in general, right? Like stuff that I found that I thought was cool. And I always wanted to photograph it in a way or, try to portray it in a way that that wasn't the norm, right? Because we, we look at, you can look at Instagram now and, and one of like my favorite Instagram accounts to follow is called Instagram Repeat. And essentially, it's all these influencers who all take the same photos over and over again. And I kind of see that in the gun industry. So I just wanted to take photos in a different way. I wanted to put my own spin on it, my own flavor, my own style that was true to me and what I... I look at when I look at guns, right? So like when I take photos, what you're seeing is how I try to envision those guns. Like when I look at it, when I go to a gun store and I look at a gun, you're seeing what I look at. And so that's where the photography side of, of it came from. And then, you know, that, that essentially evolved over into how I video some of my B roll and things like that. Um, but that's really, I mean, you know, I, I have a passion for well-made things and um, I appreciate the time and effort and energy that goes into well-made products. So like, you know, we were talking before off air about Nighthawk and the oh, you craftsman- shouldn't have brought it up, Jimmy. that goes into those, yeah, right? Yeah. So, so there's a lot of hand fitting that goes into to 2011s, which is why I love to shoot those guns. And it's not so much that it's like, Oh, it's the greatest, you know, gun that's ever been made, but it's more so just the, the um, ownership that goes into the people who, you know, the people that make those guns. And that's what I love about it. And that's what, what draws me to it, but it makes me want to take photographs of these guns and to video, you know, to video them in a way that does justice to the time that's gone into it. So there's a few things that I want to unpack there. Um, (laughs) No, no, it was great stuff. Yeah. There's, there's a lot there. So, so first off, you mentioned a couple things. So you said the word Gucci, so I'll use that. Uh, (laughs) One of the things that I actually was going to mention about your stuff is not only do I love just what you do with the guns, but I sort of noticed that you tend to do a lot of what I would call lifestyle pictures, and they're great. And what I mean, I actually wish you would do more of it. And what I mean by that is you'll pair a gun with a pair of uh, like dope, like uh, Jordan ones, or you know, you'll do something with uh, uh, with your with your truck. Or whatever, mm-hmm. but you, you're you're doing things. I know, like the holster you run has like the supreme 
uh, logo on it. And oh, yeah, so we can't I, talk about that. There was a there was a, a lawsuit. We had to cease and desist. Are you to kidding? Take that for down. real? <laughs> no, I'm I'm serious. Oh, we had to take that down. <laughs> that's crazy. Well, well, it was Nacho Supreme. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> Literally, not Joe Supreme. <laughs> yeah. And it, thank you for catching my. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> so, uh, but I I've often said, and I'm trying to figure out my own sort of path with this, but. The way in which we normalize guns and sort of bring non-gun people into the gun fold is to promote it as not this like the stereotype of a gun owner. You know, Keith and I love to, to use like the FUD reference, but like making it more where, man, you could rock a pair of Jordans and a gold chain and, you know, you could be a street kid and, you know, grew up skateboarding and still be a gun guy. That's okay. You know, and I think mm-hmm. that a lot of your quote unquote lifestyle pictures, my, my word, not yours, uh, promotes that. So I think that's awesome. And I really like that you're doing that. Where did the name Jim's goon life come from? Yeah. So that's uh. so, well, let me touch on the, the lifestyle photos real quick. So, um, that's, that's all part of my personality. So one of the things that I struggled with coming into this industry was that I don't, you know, I don't have a military background, right? I'm not Ellie. So where do I find my niche or my niche? So I just took photos of the things that I'm passionate about and the things that I love, the things that I'm get excited about. And part of that is sneakers. That's just part of who I am, the, the, the uh, culture I grew up in. Right. So like I told you guys, like I love big cities like New York and Boston and sneaker culture is big in big cities. So that's just inevitably part of my DNA and part of what I'm passionate about. So of course you're going to see that in guns. One of the things you, if you look back at my old photos, you'll see a lot of like playing cards in there. Like, and that's just, again, yeah. part of it because of how I love design and, um, I did notice, I did notice and, and that some though, other things. Yeah. yeah so th- that's just part of it. Right. Uh, but I agree with you. That is part of, of breaking down those barriers and those walls that we have to normalize them to a degree where it's not just this tactical background constantly. Um, so where Jim's goon life came from was I was actually working for a church at the time when I started this account and I was, doing some freelance work for a few different brands. And, uh, the, my, my boss essentially found out that I was doing this and they were like, Hey, it's cool that you're doing that, but we don't want it to be on your personal page because people from the church follow you. And we don't want it to have any kind of like negative stereotype or negative influence on the congregation. So I was like, okay, cool. That was sort of one of my questions Were were you a cool pastor? You know, like so. I was, I was, I was the uh, what was my title? I was the the digital campus pastor. So we had an online campus. It was a fairly large, um, fairly large church, and they had a pretty big online following. And so I was in charge of like the digital side of it because I actually was. So uh, my background is I was a church planter, and I was a head pastor of a church for five years. We were a smaller church. I left there, worked for the Russians for. A uh, year or two. Could I and stop you really quick on, on that? I, I got to ask a question. Did you say Russians? Yeah, he worked for yeah, three, I, a, gun, worked for a, a <laughs> gun company owned by three Russians. And I was going to ask you, did they wear Adidas track shoots to work every day? Was that- <laughs> so, so they they did. Uh, only one of them did. Only one of them. That's did. amazing. So, so I was, was really Mikhail. joking. One of them did. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, one of them did. So it was Mikhail, Igor, and um, Igor. Oh, awesome. <laughs> I always forget. I always forget the third guy's name. But Mikhail and Igor were the two. We had a whole team in Belarus that worked with us. So we often had to translate our conversations back and forth between Russian and, and English. So, what a crazy um, yeah, so I, so I worked for them for a year and then I got hired on at, um, eventually, you know, down the road, I got hired on by a church to do media for them was essentially became the dig, quote, quote unquote digital campus pastor and, uh, was in charge of that. And that was where I was at the time when I started Jim's goon life. And, and they, and they were like, Hey, you can't do this. So, so what it was, was I was still working freelance, right. On the side, they had no problem me working freelance. The issue was the guns. Well, it was, yeah, they just, we don't, we don't want that on your public page because too many of our Congress, but the weird thing is like, this is Texas, right? Like we're in the Bible belt. So like guns are really big down here. Yeah. I mean, I would Um, would think, but but did I miss this? Why Jim's goon life? Like, was it cause you, (laughs) yeah. So that, that's where, so I, I ended up making a, what was a, a Finsta, so a fake Instagram account, yeah, and it was Jim's Goon Life. So I couldn't call it Jim's Gun Life because uh, Instagram would immediately uh, take that down. So Goon was actually a play on the word gun, and uh, it fit, right? It fit in. So it wasn't really so much about doing goon stuff as it much as it was about gun stuff. It was 
And I thought maybe you played hockey and you were the goon. I didn't know where it was going. Well, you know, there's there's a double meaning there, right? So like to to a degree, it was depending on in whose whose perspective you were looking at it from. It was goon goon things. Yeah. But um, I I mean I still do some some uh, less less than legal things from time to time. We'll we'll say, Uh, you know, for you got to do certain things to get photos. You know, I always tell people if, if. if you want photos that nobody else has, you have to be willing to do things that nobody else does. Sure. Yeah. So you had said something else that I I, I kind of wanted to reference. You mentioned how you were trying to find your niche and you weren't uh, law enforcement and you weren't um, military. And we've heard that a couple of times from a couple of guests along the ways. But the thought came to me that I guess not really a question. It's more of a discussion point for all of us. Why is that? I mean, more there's way more normal folks who own guns than law enforcement or military. Why? Why isn't it normal for? So th- this is actually a conversation I have quite often with with people, and even even Joe Bruiser. Um, we, we've had this conversation multiple times, and I've had it with other guys. But I think that people oftentimes look at military and law enforcement as the pinnacle of yeah. Our industry. I'd agree with that. For for better or for worse, they do. And it's unfortunate because there is an overemphasis on these uh, positions. And not not to take anything away from those guys, but when you look at somebody like tough jobs, right? Yeah. Yeah. So like I know enough like high speed guys that I know that what makes them so special is not that they're really good at shooting, but it's that they're able to apply a a wide variety of skills and to adapt very quickly to their environment to apply those skills. That's what makes them so special. It's not necessarily that they're the best shooters in the world. And I think people get that mixed up, right? People often assume that because you, you wear a badge or because you wore a uniform, you're automatically this super high speed shooter, but that's just not the case, right? That's, that's all Hollywood. That's all movies. Um, Those guys. And I often tell people, I'm like, I think the greatest disservice to our industry and this will probably piss off a lot of people, but I think the greatest dis- disservice to our industry is that these high-speed guys have so much more to offer to our to just average citizens beyond shooting that they're not sharing. Right? Like they have so much to offer about um, embedding themselves into environments and cultures, to blending in with their environments, to survival skills. Like there's so much more to offer beyond just shooting that they're not sharing because all people want to know is. Oh, well, you were high speed, so you must be a really good shooter. So teach me how to shoot. But in reality, they're just not. I mean, I don't want to say all of them are, but some of them are just aren't great shooters. There are some of them who are incredible shooters who have gone on to become instructors who are just fantastic at their jobs and, and what they do. Um, but not not everybody across the board is is a great shooter. I mean, you can you can look at law enforcement as a whole and see that majority law enforcement don't really shoot or train beyond their, their quarterly quals. Yeah, and that's requirements. Yep, yeah. So, so like they're, they're barely meeting the standard. The three of and us he, probably shoot that in a weekend. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so um, th- that's, that's, that's just one of the things that I, you know, I, yeah. I look at and go, okay, this is something that we've, we've, we've got to change the rhetoric on. I, I, I totally agree with you. You know, um, I want to get back to your YouTube videos and, Again, I feel like I'm, uh, you know, Keith will say I'm kissing your butt a little bit, but that's fine. <laughs> uh, I, you know, they're 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 great. Where's that kissy? Uh? <laughs> <laughs> they're great both in content and their production value is phenomenal. Uh, so kudos to you, really good work. But I appreciate that. What's your creative process, and and how have you managed to grow such a great following on both uh, Instagram and YouTube, considering the roadblocks that are put up by social media for pro two A channels? So honestly, that's the tough one, man. Like I get a, I get a ton of people who tell me like, I don't understand why your channel is not bigger. Uh, but for me, it's honestly just been like my, my main thing has been like, I just want to put out quality content for people to make educated decisions. And that's truly it. So when it comes to training or gear or whatever it is, I'm trying to put out content so that they're spending their money wisely. Uh, so I grew up from a lower income family. We were, we were lower middle class um, and probably on the lower end of that. And I, I, I just remember how much my parents had to work to get us out of the hood, to get us into the suburbs, right? It's like, I remember that struggle. So I know, I know how hard it is um, or how far a dollar goes. And I know that a lot of average 
American citizens are are in that position where it's like, look, I don't have the excess money to go buy a three, four thousand, five thousand dollar gun. So how do I make the most of what my budget is, whether that's for ammo, for accessories, for the gun itself, whatever. So I, I've been really motivated by that to put out quality content that helps answer the questions that the average gun owner has. But at the same time, um, I come from a background of photography and videography where, you know, I, I love things that just look good, right? Like I want to make it look good. So because I have the skill, because I have the, the, the assets accessible to me with my camera gear, my lights, whatever, my experience, um, I can put out quality content. So I come from a, like a digital kind of camera reviewer background, if you will, or like a tech background. And I've just been kind of tweaking that into the gun industry and like making my own path. I wanted to ask a little bit, uh, talk a little bit about one of your YouTube videos from not too far back. I think like a couple of months ago. Um, okay. Let's talk about mental health. First, I, yes. think you, yes. I, think, I think you did a great job explaining your experiencing experiences and, and relating those to other scenarios um, or other people's experiences that could be similar. Uh, and as I was watching it, I, you know, I found myself kind of relating to feelings uh, that you've described over my lifetime and realizing um, really at the moment of the, that I was watching the video, uh, what, what was happening to me maybe, you know, back then. And um, I, I guess really the only thing that I walked away from that I was still unsure about is, you know, what made you decide to produce that video? So the, the biggest thing was, um, cause even uh, at the end you said it sucked. Yeah, it, no, no, it sucked. It, it does. And, and honestly, like to this day, to this day, it sucked. Cause like it's, it's a never ending battle. Like in, in, all honesty, like being completely transparent, um, there we all have good days and bad days, right? Sure. Like, so we we can look at social media and it looks like everything's peachy, but there are there are good days and bad days. Um, but I will tell you that I remember feeling how isolated I felt and how alone I felt, and that nobody could relate to what I was going through. And because of that, um, I I felt like if I if I put out that video and it helps one person. And that one person is able to make it through whatever it is they're going through in that moment. Yeah. Then for me, it's a win. That that video was completely and entirely worth it. I don't. I, I I truly put out that video expecting it to get like maybe a thousand views. Like that's full transparency, and I'm okay with that because if it helps one person and that person doesn't quit and doesn't give up on life at the end of the day, then it was a complete win. And that's all that matters for me. I wanted to make sure you knew that I appreciated it. And um, I thought you were you did a great job at relating it in a way that I think w will help other people understand that what they're going through and, yeah. and be able to get I also think that it's it's an important issue overall, but it is actually an important issue in the gun community, you know? Oh, yeah, so absolutely. I, absolutely. I don't think it's completely irrelevant to uh, your niche and what, and what you do. But I think that that's one of those things. There's a, there's a, a humanity piece to that, right? That's just good, good stuff to put out there. So the fact sure. that you did it is, is really good. And, uh, I, when I didn't even find that video, Keith had that as one of his questions and I said, you know, I'm going to go watch that. And I was like, well, wow, that's like actually really good stuff. So. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. No, it's, it's, um, it's, it's definitely one of those things that, that doesn't get talked about enough especially in our, in our niche. Um, well, it exceeded your and, expectation on views. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, but I think, I think part of the, um, tabooism with it, um, is that people, especially in our industry, right? Like as being a gun owner, people, I think fear that if they are labeled with a mental health issue, that they're going to come for their guns. And I think that is yeah. a legitimate fear for people to have fear too. Yeah. It is, it is definitely a legitimate fear to have, but I would rather guys, be open about the issue they're having and be able to talk to people about it, whether, you know, somebody either that they trust and confide in, um, whether that's a friend or, or, you know, a teammate, whatever it is, and to be able to express, you know, Hey, like I'm, I'm, I'm not in the best place right now, but you know, can you help me through this? And then things will be okay down the road. I think yeah. that's, that's a better way to go than to lose somebody because they were fighting a battle in silence that nobody knew about. And, and just in case some listeners don't know, you know, if you have a friend like that, that is 
you know, like-minded and, and you enjoy shooting with or doing things with, if, if, if you feel it's appropriate, there are lots of FFLs or lots of places that will be happy to hold your firearms for you. Yes. Um, yes. or, you know, just, just not be in a situation where you have to fear that they're going to be taken away from you, you know? And, yeah. uh, yeah, well, I, I even had that conversation with with my um, with my wife and with my uh, my best friend, and I said, "Look, I said, look, I'm okay right now." And, you know, this was at the the, the dark times of it. I said, um, "This was before Jim's Goon Life ever started," but I, you know, I still had guns, obviously, at the time. But I told them they were concerned about me owning guns and kind of where I was at because they knew they were like the only two people who knew. And I told them, I said, "Look, if it gets if it gets bad enough." I will turn over the guns to you. I will give them to you. Like if I just show up one day and say, Hey, I need you to take these off my hands for a while. Like be cool about it. And they, and, and they knew yeah. they were there. Thankfully it never came to that point, but it was good to have that support system. But I think me knowing that they were there for me was a big part of helping me work through that. Yeah. Well, I, I think we have a, a ton of, um, and a whole nother episode on, on talking a little bit more about that. Cause I have, <laughs> I have a lot more questions, but I, I, I don't want to focus all on that. You're uh, the founder of average Joe's can, you know, can you tell our listeners who haven't heard of this, uh, what it is and, and how it all got started? Yeah. So, um, average Joe's is a organization or, or a movement, if you will. And the idea behind average Joe's is that there's a lot of gun owners in the, in America, but not a lot of people that train with their guns. So like we, we know a lot of people bought guns, especially during COVID, especially during the things that have happened in our political climate in recent years. Uh, we have more new gun owners than ever before. So we, the way that I looked at it was it's not enough to be a gun owner, right? To be a gun owner is just part of the equation. Like you own a gun, now what? And this goes back to my being a pastor. My days as being a pastor was one of the things we would often look at is like, if the step is too far for that person to take, they will never take it, right? So if we're asking a person to be a member, to go on a membership, whatever, or sorry, to go on a mission trip, whatever, they, will, they won't take that step if it's too big of a step. In the same way, I look at the gun industry, and we have a lot of new gun owners. And if courses or legitimate training is too big of a step, they won't take that step because they're looking at it going, man, this class is $500 plus it's, it's a thousand rounds. And now with ammo prices, like yeah. you're looking at another thousand dollars in ammo. So $15 for a course. And if I've got to travel for this course, I've got travel expenses, hotel, food, whatever. Yeah. It's, it's, it's tough. Yeah. So it's a very expensive endeavor just to go train for a weekend. Yeah. I so, looked at SIG Academy recently and it was like two grand to go for a weekend all included. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So for the average gun owner, gun owner, that's not attainable. That's not a, a realistic step they, they are willing to take or that they can take. One, they don't see the need. Um, two, they, they just don't see it feasible in their mind. So I always tell people, like, if we can make that next step easier, then they're more likely to take that step. So Average Joe's started as a way to bridge that gap between the average gun owner and then the average person who trains frequently. So we, we want to bridge the gap between the person who owns the gun and the person who gets out every weekend or you know every other week who is training consistently, who is proficient with their gun. And... We've done that by trying to provide classes that are affordable, that are um, geared towards new shooters or new gun owners. We've done it with our range days. So our range days are a big range day where we build community. One of the big things that people often tell us when they're like, hey, I don't go train with my gun because one, I don't know what to do. And two, I don't have anybody to go shoot with. So by building these range days, one of the things that we we've kind of designed into that is that we put you in groups of people based on your zip code. So anybody who signs up for a range day is put into a group based on people that live around them so that you can cool. naturally build relationships and find, Oh, Hey, this so-and-so lives down the street from me That's or so-and-so lives across cool. the city. So we can go train together and we'll take these drills that we learned and we'll go, we'll go work together. Um, or maybe we'll go take a class together. And then the third thing we do on top of that is that we also do these online challenges so for us, that was a way of like, okay, we know we have the DFW covered. We know we have Texas covered as far as like range days go and classes. But what about people who are in New York or people who are in Ohio or Oregon? How do we help those people to continue to progress in their, their journey of being better trained or prepared citizens? So we do these monthly challenges. 
And those challenges have been phenomenal. So it's, it's a great way for us to, one, get drills out to people. Like, hey, look, you can get out on a range. This gives you something to do to structure your range day. But two, it kind of helps you to see where you stack up against the rest of the community. So people who are in Oregon can look at Florida and go, okay, the guys in Florida are pretty fast. Or the guys in, in uh, Massachusetts can look at the guys in New Mexico and go, okay, those guys in New Mexico know how to shoot. So it just helps you to kind of gauge where you're at and to kind of give you some motivation and see that you're not in this alone, but also just see what other people are doing, kind of see where they're at, see how they go about doing things, how they get better, how they get faster. Um, I think, you know, I think social media is one of the greatest untapped tools that we have Um, in our industry. We often complain about social media because it can be a negative. Absolutely. I agree with that a thousand percent. It's the hurdles that you got to get over to. Yeah. Well, but but at the same time, I I, I agree with that a thousand percent. Like it's, it's a pain in my butt trying to get over those hurdles. It it can go away any moment. Yeah, exactly. But, but I think the great thing. For this industry, for this industry. Sorry. Sure. Sure. But well, well, that's true for every industry, right? Like we're looking at what's going on in the world right now with Twitter. Um, it, it can go away for anybody at any time. Jay, one, me, one thing, one thing that you said earlier on, and I'm as as you're talking, I'm like he's so on, you know, the pulse of things with this. I said I don't remember what show we were talking on this, but when you said there's gun owners, and then there's like the people who actually train, and you're bridging that gap, so to speak. You're so right because when we have elections and people are voting, but they're voting on topic X because that topic's important to them. Mm-hmm. I always say that there's gun owners who they own a gun. And there's anti-gun agendas on, you know, bills and things like that that are involved in the election, but they're not voting on that. They're voting on some other topic because that other topic's really important to them. Mm-hmm. And the reason I think that that is is because the, a lot of people, like we're in the culture, like we're in the gun culture, you us. But there's people who they buy a gun, they have a 22 in their closet, leaning up in a corner, and they they're a, and they'll they'll say, yo, I'm a gun owner. But they, they, they don't really care. You know, they don't care if, you know, ARs are banned. They don't care if there's a permitting process. They don't care if, you know, they don't care about any of that because, you know, they're a gun owner. But, you know, they believe in reasonable, you know, common sense gun law. Yeah, because they don't even know what that means. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They're, they're just, they're not really in the culture. Well, well, they think it means what they're told it means. Yeah. And so yeah. what you're doing is, <clears throat> excuse me, you're building culture and you're you're providing more knowledge through building that culture and giving a different perspective. Yeah, I you know, I think that that's really important. I I personally think that the average Joe's movement is really incredible and you know, I feel like we need more initiatives like it. I I have many times thought about how we need sort of a consortium of pro gunners doing this kind of work specifically in the northeast because, you know, New Jersey, New York, uh, you know, Massachusetts, <clears throat> you know, it's really bad here and part of that I think is because you know we we don't have that sort of community, and I'm curious what advice you would give other people that are trying to do something similar to your model. Uh, you know, what what would you recommend they do to start this out and maybe avoid some mistakes that you've made? Yeah. So, uh, b- before I get an answer to your question, one thing I will say is that when we started Average Joe's, one of the things I told people very often is that when somebody has a question about guns, somebody's who is gun curious, right? They don't go to gun influencers because they don't follow them, right? They're not going to go to the big gun pages. They're going to the person that coaches their kid's soccer team. They're going to go to their coworker. They're going to go to the person that they, you know, have book club with or whatever, or the person they have coffee with every week. The people that they know are into guns, that's who they're going to go to for questions, right? So if that's the case, then the more squared away people that we have who are just normal everyday citizens, not you know, gun influencers or gun tubers, the more squared away people we have in that arena, the better off our industry will be as a whole, the better the 2A community will be as a whole, because those are the people that are really going to change the tide. They're going to be the ones who are really create the shift because they're going to be the ones who answer those questions that people have. So my advice is to, to people is always start by building a team, right? Start by building a, a small community. And this this goes back to my time as a pastor. So in building Average Joe's, I've very much taken on a church planting um, concept or idea and how I go about this. And it's that you start with building a team first, right? And then that team is specific to that area, right? Because nobody knows your area better than you. Because like I could go to New York and I could put on an event 
And there could be all this energy and excitement around that event. But the moment that we leave, that energy and excitement goes with us. It's like, okay, now what? But like when I go to Arizona, I know there's guys like uh, Full Metal Jello. I, he's there. He's at Cowtown. He's at all the local matches. He's at the range days. He knows all the local shops. He's embedded in with the local um, gun manufacturers. So it's like he's better for that community than I would ever be. So I always tell people, I'm like, look, don't worry about trying to be Grantham or Lucas or anything. Just be yourself and you're connected to your community. Answer those questions that people have. Start to build a team around you of knowledgeable people who are committed to training, who are committed to being better and work together to slowly change the, the tide or shift the tide. It's not a, it's not a quick process. It's a slow burn. It is a long process to make this happen, but it is very much worth it. Right. Like, cause I, when I, when I started average Joe's, I wasn't thinking about like fame or making money. I was thinking about my son. Like I, I have, I have a son that I think about and I'm like, I want my son to have religious freedom. I want my son to have freedom of speech. I want my son to have the freedoms that we currently have. And the second amendment is what's protecting that for him right now. And if that goes away, then the other amendments start to crumble behind it. So for me, that's my biggest motivation is that the next generation, like my son and my grandkids and my great grandkids would have a better, a better world to live in the one we currently live in. And that's my hope and my motivation as I continue to do this. So for people who want to start range days or who want to start communities, start small, build, build good relationships with the people around you, start to invest in the people around you, and you guys be committed to training and learning from others, and then start to share and disseminate that knowledge to those around you, right? So like you have, you have people who are curious, who want to know give that information to them. I think that's great advice. I mean, Mike, I kind of, I kind of is like motivating, right? It kind of feels like some of the stuff we do with, uh, with onsite and with some of our other buddies, we start these small groups and we're hoping through shows like this, it can continue to grow. I got news for you. I'm actually putting you on the official average Joe's New York. Uh, you're, you're going to start our version of that. So let's go. Bitch. Um, let's do it. <laughs> Keith is notorious for telling people that I would that Mike would love to do that. So yeah, Mike I'm, would love to do that. Yeah, so I'm I'm throwing him under the bus on this one. <laughs> I I really uh, thanks, Mike. Another one of your YouTube videos that I wanted to talk a little bit about was uh, uh, one that you did a while back on vehicle mobility. Uh huh. So I was, you know. I was watching it. Um, it had Mike from Fieldcraft Survival, I think. Um, and it, it, as I'm watching it, I'm a, I'm a car guy. I got a, got a, a few, and um, that happened to have been an area at the moment where I was like, man, I need to buy another car. And, <laughs> but I haven't thought a lot about it. And after watching the video, it made me realize that, and that's what made me want to buy a car. I'm not prepared in this area, so. Obviously, you know, we all have different abilities to prepare a vehicle for mobility um, the way that you, you described it. But how can you balance, you know, financial limitations and being as prepared as possible, right? What should we prioritize in terms of mobility? Prioritize in what regard? In, in regard to like, obviously, I can't have a cool gladiator on 44s, <laughs> you know, with four, with 25 gallons of gas and, you know, like yeah. I can't go that far, but well, I, you could, it just, it, well, I, I cannot go that far. Yeah, <laughs> My, yeah. I will be divorced, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I could find like, I'm, I'm a nineties car guy. Like I got a couple nineties cars. Like I could find a cool pickup truck, a nineties pickup truck that I could afford for uh, my next addition to the stable so to speak but mm -hmm. wh how do, what do i prioritize from there yeah well so so like i think the biggest thing is is that when you look at at the situations that have stranded pre people um in recent years so when you look at like the blizzard that hit the, the south you know obviously we look at georgia yeah. when they got that big blizzard right people were stranded on the the highways so how do you, it's, it's not so much about what the vehicle is capable of, but it's so more so about what you keep with you and how do you use those tools to keep you a capable citizen in that moment? Um, so that makes me feel like maybe I'm not so prepared. Like I love steamboat with wheels. So I have an old, I'm like a mid nineties Lincoln town car, a mid nineties Cadillac. 
and oh, they it. have bigger trunk it. space than some of those pickup trucks that you guys were using. So, yeah. So, <laughs> but, but that, that's great though. That's great. So like, um, honestly, like I, when we look at those situations, I, all we can, all we can do is, is try to develop concepts or for lack of a better term, tactics based off of previous events, right? Like we're looking at what's happened in the past and sure. we're trying to, to prepare based off of that for what could occur in the future. You looked at, at the, uh, the the wildfires that happened on the West Coast, and oftentimes you saw people who were stuck, who were you know were in like Priuses and um, Corollas and cars that just couldn't go over the curb, and because of that, they were stuck. So if you had a vehicle that was slightly more capable, just I mean we're talking slightly more capable, then they would be able to get out of that situation and not be stranded. Um, when you look at Georgia and you look at the situation they were in. Uh, people who had limited gas capacity, who were stuck in traffic, who ran out of gas, or yeah. who didn't who didn't have any type of additional support. So, like like you know, I, I say guys say go bags, but you you can keep more than that in your trunk, right? You know, in those Lincoln Town cars or like an old Cadillac, you've got space to keep an extra blanket or an extra jacket or water or, or just <laughs> snacks. Whatever. I mean, it doesn't have to be a tent, but but in, but realistically, like. Um, so like for, for me, like my view, I travel all over the U S so I, I go out to the West coast this year. I'll be going to the East coast as well. And I drive my forerunner everywhere. So because of that, my forerunner is set up for that. But back in the day, people don't realize I used to drive a Chevy Sonic, right? And the reason I drove a Chevy Sonic was because I could park it literally anywhere in downtown Dallas when I was going to school in Dallas. So Big city, I could park literally anywhere, didn't have to worry about it. I could get in and out, it was fuel efficient, so I knew I could get uh, a good ways without having to refill again. But in there, I would keep a blanket, I would keep a bag with an extra change of clothes, I would keep a med kit, I, you know, I'd keep my gun in there. All kinds of things that would help me in that that time. So I think it's just a matter of, it's not so much the vehicle in and of itself, but it's what you keep with you to make that vehicle more capable. Yeah, being a because, little more prepared. Yeah, Jimmy, yeah exactly. And, Can and, I but, jump but, in on this really quick, Jimmy? So yeah, yeah. I prior to I have a pickup right now, an F one fifty. Prior to that, I got that because it I was forty fours, but pretty big tires. They're pretty big. They're pretty nice. <laughs> but uh, <clears throat> I I bought that because I was having a son and we needed more of a family, like a bigger vehicle. Mm-hmm. Prior to that, I had a two door Jeep Wrangler and it was somewhat built up. It had big mud tires. It had a winch on the front. It had some underbelly protection and I was going to do off-roading and I did all this work and I realized New York doesn't like off-roaders like they don't like guns (laughs) and there was nowhere to go with it. And I soon realized it's very rare. You need that kind of build out. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like I'm not saying never and obviously depends on where you live and what, you know, areas you're in, but you know, my pickups way more useful. You know, I can, in a lot of ways, but even in what we're talking about, I mean, that bed allows me to put a lot of stuff in it if I need it. I think that's sort of what we're talking about, about the level of preparedness that you can be for you. The and, average and your pickup truck would do fine in what was happening. 90% of situations. Yes, absolutely. Even what was happening in the video that I'm referencing. Yeah. You know, like uh, it, I I think you would be able to handle yeah, I mean, um, the vast majority of that. On top of that, I mean, I'm starting to get into more. Keith and I just did training. We'll talk about this a little later on the show, but uh, getting into like actual trauma kits, like IFAC kind of stuff. But I have a simple, uh, like a cheap first aid kit that I got from Walmart. You know how many times I've been somewhere and someone's like, oh, you know, my kid cut his head open and it's like, oh, I have a first aid. No one has a first aid. Like, it's amazing how many people don't have band aids in their car, (laughs) you know? So it's just, you know, kind of common sense and things like that go a long way. And the one thing in terms of money, Keith, everybody wants to buy American. Everyone wants to buy quality stuff. And I agree with that. But do you know how much, how far your dollar will go at Harbor Freight in terms of cool shit you can buy? <laughs> right? I mean, like, you know, yeah. to some extent you have to balance out. Like, yeah, you could spend, you know, $10,000 on all American made quality stuff. And I'm not saying you shouldn't buy quality stuff. But like, if you need a few like throw around flashlights, Harbor's got you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you can have yeah. a couple good ones, but if you want to have a bunch, that's yeah. the perfect place for that kind of stuff. You know. Mm-hmm. So, so we have this saying in the film industry: it's that good is better, or sorry, done is better than good. And I think that applies <laughs> yeah. in this in this situation too, right? If you have the tools that can get the job done, it's better than having good tools. If that makes sense. No, it does um, for sure. And, and I think that's that's definitely the case for sure. Yeah. Um, I think people people get caught up in like, oh, I have to have this type of rig to be prepared, but you don't, you, you just, 
you, you've got to be realistic about your context and about your situation and what's what you what it is you're prepa- quote unquote preparing for. Um, and that that's at the end of the day, that's that's what it is. But people would would having a med kit, having a boo boo ouchy kit would go a long ways along with having a change of clothes and a blanket in the car. You'd be surprised how much that would help you for the average people without doing anything to your vehicle. And, yeah. and it, honestly, like vehicles for me, the way that I look at it is that a lot of guys in our industry kind of fantasize this idea of having bug out bags and not to say that I'm against them in any way, shape or form, but we've spent thousands of years evolving or progressing as a human species and race <laughs> without to, <them. laughs> to, 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 well, well, to, to develop these homesteads or to develop these homes that would protect us from the environment, right? Like yeah. we developed homes for a reason because they right. protected us. Oh, bugging in is way better than bugging out in my opinion. Absolutely. You're going to so do I, way more, right? I I, I I totally agree with that for sure. I, I, I tell people, I'm like, look, think of your vehicle as an extension of your home, right? It's just a means to get you back home yeah. or to get you back to that safe place. So don't think of it as like, hey, this is the thing I'm going to live out of because it's not sustainable long-term. Can you do it for a few days, absolutely. Can you do it for weeks? Sure, that's a bit of a stretch for some people, but yeah, you can do it. Uh, can you do it for months, years at a time? For most people, no. Especially yeah. if you have a family or, or kids of any kind, your best bet is just to see it as a way to get back home. Think of it as as horses, like like cowboys and horses. That's a really good way to look at it, right? It just it's it's just uh, it's just a means to an end, and like you said, that's to, to kind of get you back home. So. So I, I want to get to a couple of the segments here, but before we do that, can you give everyone your socials and, and where they can find you? Yeah, it's just, it's at Jim's Goon Life on Instagram, uh, at Jim's Goon Life on YouTube. I'm on Facebook, but it's just my personal account. Um, but that's for the, and then at Jim's Goon Life on TikTok. I'm not super active on there, but, uh, but yeah, that's where you'll find me. Cool. So <clears throat> we uh, play a game on the show called Run and Gun. It's a 10 question rapid fire game where we'll ask you a question and we want the first thing that comes to your mind. You down Ooh, to play that with spicy. us? Yeah. Spicy. Yeah, let's do it. All right, here we go. Number one, what is your favorite gun in your personal collection? My uh, 12.5 Noveski. What gun would you buy if money was no object? Uh, Sandhawk. If you could have a drink with one person living or dead, who would it be? Uh, Theodore Roosevelt. Favorite caliber? Uh, five, five, six. Favorite hobby, not gun related. Photography. Uh, if you had, could have one superpower, what would it be? Um, invisibility. All hell breaks loose. Is it better to be armed or trained? Trained. Is it better to be loved or feared? Loved. Rifle, pistol, or shotgun? Rifle. You're in the worst scenario imaginable. Who do you want to have your back other than your spouse? Uh, bruiser. It's time for Top Gear. Let us test it before you invest it. Man, what do we got, Keith? 43.3. Where's that? So third place. Third place? Oh. oh. Uh, Joe Dawson is a beachy out buddy. Oh. <laughs> you had to say that on the air. You had to say it on the air. Oh, man. I, I couldn't help it. I'm never wow. going to hear the end of this now. All right. So. On this episode of Top Gear, we we review an IFAC from Active Carry Technologies and rifle barrels from Noveski. Top Gear is brought to you by Onsite Firearms Training. They have an extensive course offering and teach classes across the country. You're guaranteed to find a course to meet your needs to so check out Onsite Firearms and get trained by the same outfit that trains the gun experiment. So uh, I'm going to go first and then Keith is going to uh, step aside on this one and Jimmy will uh, let you do a review as well. I can't do a review of the gear that doesn't show up. That's true. <laughs> That's true. Is that a Nighthawk? Uh, uh, no. no. If, they're listening, <laughs> if they're listening, no. Oh, <laughs> uh, man. All right. So uh, I, Keith and I recently, we've talked about this a lot. We wanted to do um, medical training, trauma training, and we put it off for two New Year's resolutions. And then we, <laughs> we finally did it. And of course, I, I have a, a little bit of medical stuff, but not a ton. I've been waiting for you to find the kit that I need to buy. Well, there you go. So that's what that's where we're at here. So Active Carry Technologies, they were online. I was talking to them about something else, and uh, they were willing to send me out a kit. So they sent me out this kit. They have a kit. It's called the Blazer V2 IFAC. It's about $99 to start. And I'm going to tell you what's in it first, and then I'll go over kind of my thoughts on things. So it comes with uh, a, a pouch. It's basically a Condor med pouch. 
It comes with, they give your their patch, their logo patch, and a med patch. And then inside of it, it comes with uh, one North American Rescue 4-inch compression bandage, one North American Rescue packing gauze, a hyphen chest seal, a pair of hyphen chest seals, EMT shears, a Slishman pressure wrap, I'll get to that in a minute, a saline bullet, so basically it's like a, bottle, a small bottle, bottle of saline, yep. Yep. Uh, combat tape, CPR one-way valve barrier, I don't know what this is actually. It's a it's an ab pad. So it's basically a sterile pad, five inch by nine inch. We didn't have that in our class. No. Mylar emergency blanket, one pair of gloves, Sharpie marker, and then a cat tourniquet. So I want to go through this one thing here. The kit they sent me was kind of a custom kit. So mine did not have the CPR one-way valve. It did not have the five by nine pad, uh, but they added, which is not normally in it, the Mylar blanket, the gloves, the Sharpie marker. Wait a minute. I, I got to stop you. I'm yep. just a little confused here. Okay. So are you describing a kit, though, that I can buy, or why was this? <clears throat> okay. So everything that I read you, okay, Yep. what they normally give you is a CPR mask, the ab pad, okay, yep. and everything I mentioned. Yep. They did not include those in mine. Oh, okay. And instead, was that an accident? No, it was. It had to do with some supply stuff. Got it. Okay, but instead, he gave me the Mylar emergency blanket, the gloves, the Sharpie market. Okay. Okay. So the, mine's a little different than what you would buy, if that's clear. Yep. Okay. And then you can get a cat tourniquet, um, but it would add thirty six dollars to the. That's um, reasonable. To it. Okay. So it would it would basically bring it their kit up to what I say it was ninety nine. So one hundred and thirty bucks. Yeah, one hundred forty bucks. I, I thought it was very well done, okay? But as you had mentioned, there were some things in it that we learned to use that were not in that kit, and then there were things they included that I really did not necessarily have a use for. Final thoughts on this. I really liked it, the way that it came. I would personally want to add an NPA um, to it for the nose breathing and uh, hemostatic dressing. So I don't necessarily need the Slishman. The Slishman is like... It's basically like an elastic tourniquet. What I would say that that is good for, though, is children mm-hmm. or animals because a regular tourniquet would be too big for them, and this is kind of like a one-size-fits-all kind of a thing. Okay. So I will probably use that in like another kit, like maybe in my car kit or something. I would not use that like on my battle belt because I, don't, I, I would have the cat tourniquet. I wouldn't need that. Got it. Okay. So, Keith, you asked a good question, and I actually have it here. Give me one second. Oh, you had this in here the whole time today? I did. I could have been looking at this. Oh, well, maybe you no, didn't but then you would have got distracted. I was going to say I would have got distracted. So I so. put this, this pouch is on the back of my, it comes with a Molly um, backer that I put on the back of my plate carrier. Yeah. But the cool thing is you can unsnap this buckle and you can rip this off. Oh, cool. So now and I can now see it. you can see it. <laughs> <clears throat> now, I really liked... I like the pouch. Yeah. <clears throat> you heard the Velcro. Mm-hmm. And what I did is I put a loop panel on the inside of my car console, and I'm going to rock that on the inside of my car console so that when uh, I lift up my console, it's right there next to me in the car. Okay. So if I need to get out of my car quick, I can get it. If something happens to me, I can get to it quick. So <clears throat> you were asking for sort of a one-size-fits-all, like, hey, if I want to get something. You wanted me to do your research for you. I was... Being lazy and waiting for you to pick yep. the kit. This is actually, this is really, this is good. Yeah, I liked it. I liked it a lot. So it's a good start. And, it, you know, ideally you would have a couple of these for every 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 car, right. you know, that kind of stuff. But as, so, as we've discussed, I've got too many cars. This particular kit would not be the one I would want to go with because, again, it had things I didn't need and it was missing things that I did need. I will say it's a little tough to zip or back close, but I guess, you know. Opening is open. more important. Yeah. And you can actually rip that open, which is kind of cool. Yeah. I, okay. Yeah. So what I would recommend, Keith, I'm listening for you and for anyone that has basic TAC med training is they have something called the bolt and it's on pre-order right now, but they make a bolt with a recon medical pack and they make a bolt with a cat tourniquet pack. I would recommend the bolt with the cat bundle. And if you're out there listening, I'm sorry if this is confusing. I'll say it again. It's their bolt with the cat bundle, not the recon medical bundle. Right, so yeah, the pre-order, they're pre doing pre-orders right now. 
that kit is $150, okay? And it basically comes, uh, I'm going off memory here, but it comes with a compression bandage. It comes with um, packing gauze, comes with the chest seal, comes with shears, uh, comes with, I think it came with the CPR mask maybe. It came with the Mylar blanket, gloves, Sharpie, cat tourniquet, and hemostatic gauze. And that is $150. I, I kind of did a quick price out, price match. You basically could build it yourself for about maybe like with shipping, maybe $30 cheaper. So if you want, if you like, you don't want that, you just want to buy something to be done 150 bucks. That's out the door. You're, you're done. Yeah. The only, the only, I I mean, listen, I think that is definitely probably the problem that I'm having is I want to, I keep saying myself, I'll just build it myself. It'll be cheaper, but you never do it. And you know, it might be worth the time that you're wasting. Right. (laughs) To spend the extra money, have someone back it for you. Listen, you're always going to pay a premium for someone else to do the work for you. Always. That's a fair statement. Right? So, uh, you know, I think for $150, I've looked at other ones that were at least 200 and basically the same kit. No, listen, it's something you, uh, again, have uh, beat me to, uh, you know, getting <laughs> getting the kit. So, uh, um, I'm proud of you, buddy. Thank you. So, anyway, I overall... I, I liked it. I liked actually that they kind of kind of custom built it. I mean, I told them a couple things I wanted. Yeah, that's but really cool. Can, I do think, they offer that? I'm looking on their website. Not re- there is like a kind of build yourself, but it's it it's not like pick every single thing out. Custom um, shop kit builder here is that what I yeah. should? Yeah. But overall, I liked it. <clears throat> I thought that it was reasonable, and I thought that it had all the stuff that you need. The one thing I would want to uh, add is the nasal pharyngeal tube. That's the one thing yeah. I, w- I would add that. But they're like three bucks, so. Not a big deal. So, Jimmy, uh, I saw your medical kit on a video you did, and it looked like a pretty basic kit. I think you kind of just threw some stuff in. It doesn't sound like you're like you're kind of like us. It sounds like medical is not your uh, your main focus. So, uh, you want to talk a little bit about what you rock or what you recommend? Yeah, yeah. So, I, I have I do I have the most basic IFAC kit uh, uh, around, uh, mainly because I don't carry things that I don't know how to use. So, if that makes sense, right? Yeah. Like, I don't want to just carry a bunch of random things that I have no clue how to use of them. Of course. Um, so I carry things that I know how to use and then I know what my limitations are. So if there's something beyond that, I'm like, Hey, look, somebody else needs to take over because this is beyond my, my knowledge, my expertise. Yep. Uh, but not to say that I'm not trying to grow in those areas. It's just one of the things that you can only learn so many things at a time and, um, it will grow as my knowledge in that area grows. But for now I carry what I know how to use. So yeah, it, it is very basic, but I think um, the the two things, especially with like with our our range days and the things that I do, um, if people know how to apply a tourniquet and they know how to pack a wound, you could probably solve most issues, um, most situations. Um, Beyond that, you're getting into some pretty in-depth stuff, especially when you get into like chest seals or uh, putting air tubes in. Right. And I don't know that the average person without training, consistent training, would know how to do that. So I certainly um, did not until we took this class. And, yeah, uh, exactly. So it's one of those things where it's like, you know, you can carry that stuff and it looks cool and it looks like you're prepared, but you know, at the end of the day, you're just carrying stuff. And people are like, Hey, why aren't you using it? It's like, I don't know how to use it. So I'm not going to lie. If I ever had to, I'd be shitting myself. I'd be shitting myself. Cause I mean, it's like, you know, it's like you take one class and you know, it's a lot to remember, but, but uh, I, I do try to do mental exercises and kind of run through things and like try to remember the order of things as best I can. So that's, that's all you can do, right? Is do the best you can and, and try to remember what you remember and, and go from there. So now sure. you, you have uh, a product you want to review. So take it away. Yeah. So the, the thing that I've been messing with most frequently or most often uh, as of late is Noveski barrels. And that's just because um, I'm, people think that I'm sponsored by them. I'm not, I don't, no doesn't sponsor me. They don't pay me anything. I pay for all my products. Um, but I've been running a few of their barrels. And, and when it comes to rifle performance, for me, um, barrels have been the most important part of that. As I've left my previous job and worked with different manufacturers just to see how they go about things, I've come to the conclusion that many people have from decades before that barrels are the heart of any rifle. And, uh, John Noveski was, was keen to that. And he developed some really great barrels for Noveski. 
And they've started to get back to that and really push that and, and draw from that heritage. And their new barrels or their barrels are currently running. So I'm running their stainless barrels. But those barrels have been absolutely fantastic. And so I've had the opportunity to talk to Scott there, who is now their – he was their head of production, who's now their head of operations, I believe, and talk with Dave, their head of R&D, and then get to see the machine shop firsthand and been testing out some different barrels from them. And they've just been phenomenal. And part of that is the rifling that they have, but the other part of that is the chamber that they have. So I can't go into too much detail on that, but the way that they go about building their rifles is um, across the board has been great. And I've, I've found their guns to be incredibly accurate out of the, out of the box. And one of the things that I, that I struggle with is I do these reviews. So like I get access to a lot of different guns and the problem that I have frequently is, is the barrel. I mean, people build, they have great uppers, great lowers, great rails, great parts on them as far as like, you know, buffer trigger, um, safety, BCGs, all that is great. But if you don't have a great barrel in there, none of that performance is going to come out. You're, you're missing out on a lot of performance that could be in there. And with Noveski, so far in my experience, it has been the best performing barrel from a manufacturer out of the box across the board. You can get better barrels, right? So, so you can get like a Bartlett barrel and that barrel is going to perform phenomenally in terms of accuracy. Um, but what you're not going to get is the same kind of abuse out of that barrel as you would out of something like a Noveski. So I think for the average person, a Noveski barrel is probably top of my list right now until I come across something else that says otherwise. But accuracy, you're talking about sub MOA out of the box. Uh, so far, the best I've been able to produce from one of their barrels is a quarter inch group, five shot group out of one of their barrels. The gassing is pretty, pretty fair. I would say across the board, it's not going to be the the best gassed gun across the board compared to some other manufacturers, but you don't have any of the reliability issues. Um, but at the same time, it's not going to be overgassed. So I think you're getting a, a very balanced barrel um, from them. What do they run? And, what is their like price point? Um, I, I need to double check. I couldn't tell you off the top of my head. Okay. Um, but I will tell you that it is it is like half the price of a Bartland barrel. Um, so it is, it is, um, I'm going to look it up right now. So it's not, it's not super cheap. I mean, you're looking at, depending on their, which stainless barrel you get, you're looking at anywhere from 350 up to, you know, $500, but you're talking about a barrel with a gas block and a gas tube. So, you know, you kind of balance that out. It's not too bad, but, um, I think one of, one of the things that I found in the, the discussions and conversations I've had with them, especially with their R and D department is that one of the things people don't understand is how different finishes affect the barrels. So when you nitrate a barrel, it's essentially a heat treat process to this, this metal and it, it softens the metal and you start to have issues. The other thing is too, with nitride is that it also affects the, the rifling, right? You don't have as clean of rifling as you would have before. So you, you create these, these additional issues in the barrel and that, that lead to accuracy issues. And then as the barrel heats up, you, you tend to see a softer barrel or a barrel that whips more. Um, and, and it just doesn't perform as well. So with something like a stainless barrel or a chrome line barrel, you're going to see better performance than you would like from something that's nitrided. So one of the things I found out from Noveski when I was up there for their shop tour was they actually own the patent to nitriding their barrels. And they don't nitride their barrels. And the reason they don't is because it, it creates issues in the accuracy and the long-term performance of it. So um, I learned a ton from them while I was up there and then I've been testing it and it's just been phenomenal since, since I've been running, I've been running their, their 12, five, they're in their 12, five carbine recently got their 12, five mid their Leonidas barrel. And then I've also been running their six, uh, their 16 inch barrel and their 14, five, and they've all run great across the, uh, across the board. And we've noticed a little bit of a spike in velocity out of them and talking with some guys that comes down to the, the rifling they have. So if you are somebody who shoots long range or precision and you're looking to eke out that little bit of velocity, then, you know, something like that would be a, a good option. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> they make uh, beautiful guns in general. I mean, I, you know, I've always kind of been a fan of what they do. And, uh, you know, I think what you were saying, like it's, it's, 
there's always something better, right? Like we're talking mm-hmm. about Keith's Nighthawk as a good example. Sorry, Keith, keep bringing it up for you. But you know, <laughs> yeah, I mean, nice. listen, it's listen. Like a little, small razor blade at this point. <laughs> I mean, they're amazing. That's an amazing, amazing company, amazing gun, right? But then you know, we talked to Cabot, and like you know, there's they've made guns that are you know they sell for a hundred thousand dollars. So it's like there's always there's always something bigger and better. And as the average person, you're looking for you know what uh, what you can afford and trying to get squeeze the 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 most out of that, you know, bang for buck kind of a thing. So Jimmy, I, I, I definitely agree with that. And, uh, with that said, you know, I really want to thank you for coming on the show and discussing your creative processes and, you know, your passion for growing the second amendment community. Uh, I keep saying how important it is that as a community, we continue to normalize gun ownership and break down stereotypes of what a quote unquote typical gun owner is. Uh, so, you know, your content and your average Joe's movement is definitely on the for- forefront of that concept. And it's a pleasure to talk to someone that's that's doing that kind of work. So thank you so much for being on the show with us. Uh, to everyone listening, we want to thank you again for taking time out of your day to tune into our show. You can find links in the show notes to all of our social media. So be sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and Discord so we can keep the conversation going. Gentlemen, thank you so much.